I should just believe uh, more in God. And after all, he's a great God, so shouldn't we just be joyful? And I think sometimes we get the impression that if we just trust God enough, we will kind of bounce through the Christian life a bit like bunnies going through clover um, and it's all going to be fine. And of course, that's not the picture uh, that God paints in the Bible. Welcome to Independence, the FIC podcast. Hello, I'm Eleanor McGowan, and together with my colleague, Rachel Sloan, we serve as directors for women in ministry with FIC. And we've got Helen Thorne with us this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, Helen, to talk about anxiety. Yes, great. Um, Yeah, you're going to have a little chat about anxiety and how, as Christians, we can respond to our own anxiety and also how we can help others to cope better too. So firstly, Helen, could you tell us what you do and how you came to write a book upon anxiety called Hope in an Anxious World? Thank you. Uh, my day job is working for Biblical Counselling UK and I'm their Director of Training and Resources. So on one level, it's my job to write books on pastoral issues uh, and anxiety was always going to be on the list somewhere. But it catapulted to the top of the list quite quickly soon after I started working for BC UK. Uh, I was doing a number of talks, evangelistic events, uh, largely for women uh, around different churches in the UK. And at one event, actually at a church affiliated to the FAIC, someone came up to me afterwards and said, well, where's the book? Where's the book that I can give to my friends? And I thought, oh, well, yes, there isn't one really, is there? Um, And I looked around on the market and you can find quite a lot of good biblical books on anxiety, although they tend to be quite big. You can find a lot of secular books on anxiety. But what there aren't many of is short books on anxiety Mm. uh, and books that you can give away to people who aren't yet believing. Um, And so I thought, well, maybe I'll convert some of those evangelistic talks into a book. And that's what happened uh, a couple of years ago now. It was also a bit of a a personal journey. Um, I am someone that has struggled with anxiety, still do to a certain extent, Uh, And it was in the middle of the pandemic when I was writing and everyone's anxiety was going up a bit then. So it was a good personal journey to go on as well, reminding myself of some wonderful things about the Lord uh, that can help us in our times of struggle. Well, you did an excellent job and uh, the book's been a real gift to us and we've been able to use it um, to share with others too who aren't yet Christians. Well, with the pandemic, as you said, there does seem to have been a real rise in anxiety. And perhaps amongst those who are younger in particular, although those of all ages. Um, why do you think young people in particular struggled with anxiety? Well, you're certainly right in saying there's been a massive rise in anxiety. Before the pandemic, about 6% of us were saying that we were struggling with anxiety. At the height of the pandemic, about 66% of us were saying we were anxious or had been anxious in the previous two weeks. Now, those numbers seem to be coming down again a little bit, but we're still, as a nation, uh, struggling with anxiety. And that's because so much of what we've experienced over the last couple of years has been uh, scary. So much of it has been new uh, and navigating difficult things uh, and new things is often fertile ground for anxiety to grow. I think young people uh, have struggled particularly. I mean, it's not just young people, uh, some uh, older people who are isolated, some people that have been uh, cooped up together with a lot of other people have really struggled too. 
But young people have, I think, largely because their world has just been turned upside down. Uh, they're having to learn to do school differently, uh, having learned to do exams differently on get exact results with no exams at all. Uh, they've had to have their future thrown into some kind of, well, at least a little bit of an unknown. And they're having to navigate all that without the usual social networks that they would have around them, without being able to talk things over with their friends easily and talk things over with their wider family easily. And that's hard, especially at an age where they're very formative in their working out who they are, how to navigate the world. And that means young people have been particularly badly affected. Uh, and I think it's also fair to say that those of us um, like me, who are a little older, uh, at least have a frame of reference um, that when bad things happen, you usually tend to come out the other side. Uh, young people, I mean, none of us have been through a pandemic before, but young people haven't been through many big things before. They just haven't been alive long enough to have gone through those big things. Uh, and therefore, they don't have that frame of reference that actually, if you go into something really hard, actually, it does tend to pass and you do tend to come out the other side. Rachel, you're Women's Ministry Coordinator at Charlotte Chapel. Does that resonate with the experience that you've had in seeking to help students and young adults? Yeah, I would say that we've probably noticed since coming out of the pandemic, yeah, a lot more anxiety, a lot more worry amongst the students. And I guess, you know, like Helen said, a lot of that is to do with uncertainty around the future. Um, they've gone through something that none of us have experienced, but they particularly haven't had that frame of reference for, but then haven't really um, known when it's going to end, what their future is going to hold. I think students in general are experiencing a lot more uncertainty about future um, in terms of job prospects, where they're going to live, how they're going to afford to live. And so adding all of that into the mix has just made it quite um, unsettling for many of them. And I think adding into that, as you said, the isolation and the loneliness, I think has made it an even more kind of potent mix um, within that, not knowing where to turn to, who to talk to, um, how to get that kind of help um, to ground them in these moments when they feel kind of that everything's kind of been thrown up in the air and they don't know how it's going to land. Well, men and women get anxious, older people, younger people get anxious, Christians get anxious, those who aren't believing yet get anxious. Um, Helen, how would you define anxiety and how does it manifest itself in different ways? At its core, anxiety is a fear. Now, fear in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. If I'm walking across the street and a speeding car comes towards me, it's right and proper that I'm scared. Uh, and that fear actually enables me to act, to jump out of the way or uh, to, to call for help. Uh, but anxiety tends not to be fear of something objective that enables us to act. It tends to be fear of what might happen. And that tends to encourage us to sit and just think in circles about what might be. So, for example, um, you tend to, anxiety tends to be a fear of what you think someone might say about you or what you think someone is thinking about you or what might happen uh, if you take that exam or what might happen if you get that diagnosis, uh, what you could or couldn't cope with if that child of yours or that elderly uh, parent of yours uh, ended up struggling in a certain way. And because there's lots of mites and ifs and what ifs in there, it doesn't actually galvanize us to solve the problem. It tends to encourage us to sit and go, oh, my goodness me, I don't think I can cope with this. This is awful. Everything's going horribly wrong. And our thoughts begin to spiral. 
There are loads of different signs and symptoms of anxiety, and it'll look very different in different people. But there are four different categories of signs and symptoms. You've got the physical, the headaches, the, the tense muscles, the, the, the palpitations, the, the beating heart going very fast, the sweaty palms, the gastrointestinal distress, the sleepless nights. They tend to be the physical. You've got the emotional, uh, the feeling of being overwhelmed, uh, tearful for no apparent reason, um, feeling scared, wanting to run away, uh, maybe feeling irritable and angry at times. You've got the relational, uh, and that can be a sense of wanting to withdraw from people you love. Just stay in bed, hide under the duvet, not go to that party, not engage with people around. But also sometimes, uh, to the other extreme, wanting to control people. Uh, actually, my anxiety will be better if I can just get everyone to put things away, if I can just get everyone to act in a way that makes my world safer. And that when we tend to get a bit irritable and, and push back. But there's also spiritual signs too. That sneaking suspicion that God doesn't love us anymore, that sneaking suspicion that God is disappointed with us, that maybe the church would be better off if we didn't turn up, that maybe we're a bad Christian, that maybe, just maybe, God doesn't want to hear our prayers. Uh, and we can see that uh, in people around us at church, that actually it's not just uh, the physical and the emotional and relational that's getting to them. Uh, there's a very real spiritual battle there as well. That's so helpful to think about anxiety as something that is a fear about the future. So you're not dealing with the concrete, you're dealing with the what ifs, the mights, the maybes, things that haven't happened yet. And to think about the different ways in which that affects us. Um, but, you know, the Bible speaks it to us in our anxiety, doesn't it? Um, how, how would you say the Bible is realistic about anxiety? Oh, the Bible is so rich about everything. And it is just wonderful uh, that it is so realistic about anxiety as well. I think right from the beginning of Genesis 1 and 2, where the world is perfect, and right at the end of Revelation 21 and 22, where the world is perfect again, uh, we see that actually the stresses and strains that lead to anxiety are not what we were designed for. And therefore, as we're living in a world that we weren't really designed for, it is going to hurt. I think Genesis 3 is realistic about the fact that at the fall, our relationships went wrong, our heart went wrong, our bodies went wrong, decay started to enter the world. Uh, and therefore, we should expect there to be signs and symptoms of our relational strife, of our physical struggles, uh, of our heart going astray. Uh, and we do see that in anxiety. We see uh, the roots of anxiety coming from our broken bodies, from our broken relationships, our broken experiences, and also the desires that come out of our hearts. And of course, there are the, the big passages in the Bible that hit anxiety straight on, that do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition and you know, consider the lilies, uh, the sparrows, you know, that your father is taking care of you. The fact that Jesus and, and others spoke about anxiety so much is such a relief because clearly God knows uh, as human beings, uh, as believers, we struggle with anxiety and he wants to speak into those situations well. But I think even beyond those key passages, there is so much richness because as we read God's word, we see the character of a God who is strong and secure and good and, and full of purpose. We see a God who is active in actually leading his children through this complex and sometimes painful thing called life. We see a God who equips us to, to live for him and to trust him even when life is hard. And we see a God who is sovereign and has plans. Uh, and so I think we need to go beyond just the key passages on anxiety to see what 
God has to say. Uh, and it is wonderful how he tells us how to navigate this very difficult world. And not just tells us, walks with us as we go. Well, God is compassionate, isn't he? And he doesn't leave us alone to struggle with the things that affect our bodies, affect our hearts, affect our minds. That intersection between the spiritual and the physical and the mental um, is is important to explore, isn't it? Um, what would you say is the place for medication when you're dealing with something like anxiety? God has made us to be embodied souls. Um, I mean, in simple terms, we've got an outer fleshly bit and we've got a, an inner heart where we think and feel and decide things. Um, and I think it's fair to say that it comes to the outer fleshly bit. Uh, when that goes wrong, the doctors are really well placed to help us with that. Um, God has given them uh, wisdom. God has given them so much knowledge uh, to understand how the body that he first made works. And so it's just a kindness uh, to actually go for a bit of symptom relief sometimes when there is anxiety. Not, not all anxiety will need medication, but where we can be helpfully helped, um, then why not alleviate a few symptoms? And actually, as we do alleviate those symptoms, often we find we're in a much better place to look at the heart struggles that are going on underneath. So I don't think as Christians, we ever need to be embarrassed about going to see our GPs and think, you know, it's a great thing to go and see our GPs. Uh, I don't think we need to be embarrassed about taking medication where that's necessary. But I think it's also, you know, on the other side of the coin, it's also worth saying that anxiety only ever manages the, the symptoms. Uh, sorry, medication only ever manages the symptoms of anxiety. Uh, and so there's probably going to be other things to be working on beyond medication as well. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you could just comment on the area of sort of feeling guilty about being anxious. You know, if something goes wrong with our body that's physical, we don't have that same sense of responsibility. This might be completely wrong, but, you know, sometimes I think we struggle that we feel that being anxious is a sin. What what do you feel the Bible says about that? Oh, that's a great question. And I talk to so many Christians that go, oh, my goodness, maybe I'm just not good enough as a Christian. Maybe my faith isn't strong enough. Um, And maybe I should just believe uh, more in God. And after all, he's a great God. So shouldn't we just be joyful? And I think sometimes we get the impression that if we just trust God enough, we will kind of bounce through the Christian life a bit like bunnies going through clover um, and it's all going to be fine. And of course, that's not the picture uh, that God paints in the Bible. You know, there are so many people in the Bible that struggle with anxiety. David talks about his fears. Now, some of those fears are objective fears when Saul is trying to kill him. That's a very clear objective fear. But but he talks about anxiety in his Psalms. Paul, when he's writing his letter, mentions that he gets anxious too. Uh, And there's a sense in which, well, in a broken world, in a fallen world, where our bodies are fallen and our experiences are fallen and our relationships are fallen, Actually, it would probably be just a little bit weird if we didn't experience some of the impacts of that fallenness. You know, the Bible never tells us that God's going to wrap us up in bubble wrap and actually going to protect us from all the tough stuff that goes on. You know, anxiety free is in our future. That's the new heavens and the new earth. But actually brokenness, fallenness, pain, struggle, that's part and parcel of the here and now. And actually, if we're believing that we shouldn't struggle now, I think we almost have a bit of a 
an over-realized eschatology. We always want a bit too much of heaven now. And I think as Christians, it's important to recognize that whilst God is good and he is leading and he is sovereign and he is kind, that doesn't mean we aren't going to stumble and fall and struggle in all kinds of ways. So as Christians, uh, I'm really keen that for most of us, we just kind of throw off that shackle of guilt. Um, I think just occasionally anxiety can be caused by massive sin. You know, if I just knocked over a local bank and I was anxious about the police coming to arrest me, you know, I think, you know, I think there's sin involved in that. But yeah. for most of us, that's not the case. Uh, we can actually say, Lord, yeah, I, I realise this isn't a sin. This is suffering. And Lord, I want to turn to you in this for all the help and the hope uh, that you offer. Mm-hmm. And I think when we are struggling, um, when we don't feel wrapped up in cotton wool and when we're not bouncing through that field like a bunny feeling, you know, overjoyed, we really need each other, don't we? Um, so, Rachel, you know, you've you've had a lot of experience working with women um, in various churches. How have you seen the need to support and help women struggling with anxiety? Well, I guess just like we've been saying, it affects us all. And so actually there's going to be women in all our churches. There's going to be times when we've all experienced anxiety. And so we need to help and support one another in it. Um, And we need to be encouraging ourselves and the women in our churches to know how to do that biblically um, in a way that points people to God. Um, I think it's so helpful what you were saying about kind of just knowing that anxiety is part and parcel of a fallen world. As we experience the brokenness, we will feel anxious anxious we feel will feel worried about things and so it's knowing what to do with that when it happens we can respond in a way that points us to God and takes us to him or we can respond in ways that take us away from him and I think we want the women in our churches to know how best to help each other look to God in those moments Um, and I think understanding as we've been saying that anxiety is a can affect all all of us and so even just knowing what are some of the signs so when someone is kind of experiencing those physical symptoms actually being able to have women in our churches who can come alongside people and go do you think there's maybe something more going on here? Is there an anxiety that's maybe manifesting itself in this way? Getting them to kind of talk about some of that I think is really helpful. Um, And then again, you know, encouraging people that it's good to go and speak to their doctor as well in those moments. Um, We want to really help people have that holistic view of use what is there in the world, use the medical support that we have, but also then encourage our women to know how best to walk alongside their friends, walk alongside younger women in the church who are experiencing anxiety and know how to bring God's word to bear on what they're experiencing, know how to point them to his character Um, I think that can be often the thing that really makes the biggest difference. The more that we learn about God's goodness, about his greatness, about what he said, about how we can trust in him. That's what helps us when we have those fears about the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have a God who does. (laughs) And so what a great thing to be able to encourage women in that um, and just really help them to do that. So I think it's such an important thing to, to talk about to get our women to be talking about so that they can know how to do this as well as possible to really help people who are struggling with it. Mm. Helen, in your book, you um, identify six lies that we're fed, that sometimes we buy into, that we believe rather than looking at God's truth. So 
Rachel's already said some of the things about God that we need to really hold on to and anchor ourselves in. Um, yeah, what kind of truths should we be using as those firm foundations when we feel that everything else is so uncertain and there are so many what ifs? What can really help our souls? I think anyone who's ever experienced anxiety will know that anxiety tends to encourage us to believe things that just aren't true. Things like, I'm all alone. Uh, I can't do this. This is out of control. This is all my fault. I'll never be able to change. It will always be like this. Those kinds of things. And the wonderful thing is the Bible has pure and good and true antidotes to all of those lies, just waiting for us to grasp them. And so we can turn to passages like Psalm 139 and remind ourselves that we're not going through this tough stuff alone. We can't go from the east or the west or the heights or the depths to get away from the Lord. He is with us uh, and he's not going anywhere. By his spirit, uh, he is indwelling us and encouraging us and equipping us every step of the way. Um, we can remember passages like uh, the Exodus story uh, and just see how God does provide for his children uh, one day at a time. Uh, he's not a, a God who, who leads people and then just kind of makes us struggle all by ourselves. He, he gives us what we need. He doesn't always give us what we want, uh, but he always gives us what we need to be able to be faithful to him and to persevere through whatever circumstances we're facing. There's a sense in which uh, we can keep going back to the cross uh, and reminding ourselves that actually, even if we did mess up spectacularly, there is grace for that. You know, Ephesians 1 talks about us being lavished with grace. It's not like it's rationed. You know, God is pouring out this grace for complete forgiveness uh, and all the things that we have done wrong. We don't have to have any sense of condemnation now. In fact, Romans reminds us that there is none for us to hold on to. Uh, and we can be reminding ourselves that actually we have a God who is changing us and leading us. Now, whether we think of the great shepherd imagery uh, of um, the good shepherd of Psalm 23, uh, or whether we are thinking about uh, Jesus as a king, we have someone that is enabling us to follow him and to live for him in all the circumstances of life. And he's changing us. He's helping us to trust more. He's helping us to persevere more. He's helping us to hope more. All of those things are, are things that he is working in our lives. Sometimes in um, biblical counselling circles, we tell the story of a, a rundown old house. And I don't know about where you live, uh, but certainly where I live, there are some rundown houses, the kind of grass overgrown, roof tiles falling off, curtains falling down, uh, garden fence beginning to topple over. And it's easy to walk past those houses and go, oh, what a mess. And sometimes we have a sneaking suspicion that God is looking at us from heaven and going, oh, my goodness me, what a mess. Uh, just look at the anxiety in them. But I, I don't know if you ever watch any kind of those DIY restoration programs, um, Garden SOS or whatever they're called. Uh, and in the hands of the right people, they can look at this chaos and they go, well, if we just build that up, if we just repair that, if we just redesign that bit, it's, it's going to be great. And you can see this massive transformation. And, and God is like that with us. Uh, and he looks down at us or he looks at us. Uh, and he goes, well, if I can just build that bit of trust there, if I can surround them with people that will encourage them there, if I can help them understand that bit of my character a bit more, um, gosh, they're going to be they're going to be beautiful. Let, let's let's do this. 
And it's not that God looks at us and goes, oh, what a mess. He looks at his children and goes, ah, what a bunch of fixer-uppers. I'm going to be helping them in their anxiety. I'm going to be helping them walk through this. I'm going to be changing them. And of course, this side of heaven, that doesn't mean he will change us so much we'll be anxiety-free. But we can grow and learn and adapt and, and transform into the people that he's calling us to be. And that will have an impact on how we experience our anxiety. It's a lovely picture of um, restoration going on, isn't it? And it happens bit by bit. It doesn't happen overnight. There's hard work in that. There's determination. There's a real commitment to um, embed and build. Um, yeah, so Rachel, tell us a little bit about how you've seen that evidenced in a community of women because we can't do it on our own. Well, I think that's the most important thing to remember is we can't do it on our own. And so I always think it's a great joy when you see groups of women coming round someone who's struggling with anxiety and actually all working together in different ways. So some of that can be someone providing practically for them in terms of meals or inviting them into their home um, so they're not feeling that aloneness and then others spending time walking through God's word with them. Um, and in our church is what I hope our small groups kind of over time will continue to demonstrate more and more. And um, we want people to know that this is the group of people that they can be open and honest and vulnerable with. And so, again, I've seen that in some of our ch groups at church, but praying that that will continue because I think the more that we share um, the things that we struggle with, the more it helps those who, I guess, maybe have more extreme anxiety. Because I think, as you said, Helen, so much of it is no one else feels like this and I'm the only one. But actually, the more that we all share, well, actually, I have that too, or I felt that, and I'm worried about that too. Um, but this is how God has helped me. Um, it actually makes a difference for us all. And so I think just seeing how helping those with anxiety is something that, is, that we should be doing in the hearts of our community at church is really important. It is a joy, isn't it, when you see that, that going on together? Yeah. Helen, perhaps you could just comment on, give some advice. What, what do you think somebody should do when they're in the grip of that anxiety? In that moment when things just are so overwhelming, it might evidence itself in a panic attack. It might not. Um, yeah. What, what, what could somebody do? Well, remembering we're embodied souls, I think often the first place to start is helping our body to calm. Um, and often that can be done through breathing. Uh, the more anxious we get, the more panicky we get, the more we tend to breathe very shallowly. And so actually disciplining ourselves to breathe deeply uh, from down here, not that you can see down here, um, is uh, going to be really important. So slow breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth, long, slow breaths to control. That genuinely can help. And there are grounding techniques, uh, looking around, uh, seeing, f naming five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. It just stimulates the senses and helps your brain come back from spiraling into the future and really focus on, on the present. Now, there are practical things that you can do. Uh, beyond that, um, actually turning to somebody and asking for their help, asking for their mm. prayers, uh, mm. even if that's just a, a quick text message saying, please mm. pray, finding life hard. Mm. Mm. Um, it's wonderful to have people on their knees uh, when we're in times of stress. 
uh, but also remembering key Bible verses uh, and or Bible characters as well. Uh, it will vary from person to person which one you go for. Some people like to memorize a verse. Uh, some people like to think about uh, maybe what Joseph went through and how God's purposes could be seen even in the middle of you know immense pain that Joseph went through. Uh, and some people, oh, actually, one thing I quite like to do if I have a, an anxious moment is I do what's called a, a reframing exercise. Uh, it might be two o'clock in the morning. I might be sitting on my bed. I might be thinking about that awful thing that I said in the podcast with the FIC that day before. Um, and uh, I sort of have a moment of, oh, goodness me. Uh, and I just sit there and I kind of hold in my hands uh, that thing that I'm worried about. And I will say to myself, OK, that is hard. Uh, that is genuine suffering and struggle there. But I am doing this under the lordship of a God who loves me, being led by a shepherd who is in front of me, being surrounded by the God who is my rock and my refuge. I'm indwelt by the spirit. I'm holding hands, metaphorically at least, with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And actually, that means the hard thing, rather than it being a huge thing that's overwhelming, is still a hard thing, but it's within the boundaries of God's love and God's care and God's activity and God's character. And that puts it in perspective. And that kind of reframing exercise uh, can be done relatively simply, uh, even if you're a shopping centre somewhere where people can see. That's so helpful, Helen. Uh, you've been able to share with us something of your own personal growth in this area. Uh, um, you said that in the book, you say that you struggled with anxiety a lot more in the past than you do now. It's been a journey for you. So thank you for sharing with us. Is there any one little gem that you'd want to give us as we draw things to a close? And I think it's important for us all to be telling our stories of hope. I mean, I, I was that little girl that hid behind her mother's skirt, too scared to say anything at all. Uh, and I think it's a fairly well-known fact now that I'm not too scared to say things these days. Um, and I'm very happy uh, to be talking in relatively public environments. And so the more we can share those stories of transformation and hope, uh, the better. It's, it's great to hear what God is doing in people's lives. But I think, I mean, I, I've already sort of shared a, a few things that I like to do when uh, life is anxious. But one thing that I haven't talked about that maybe is quite helpful is lament. And I think sometimes as Christians, we feel a bit guilty about saying life is hard and overwhelming. Uh, and I think even if we can get to the point of saying it's hard and overwhelming once, uh, we probably don't think we ought to be saying it a lot. We ought to say it once and then get over it. Um, but the Bible's not like that. The Bible uh, shows us that Job lamented and David lamented and Jeremiah lamented and Jesus lamented. Uh, there's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. Um, the Psalms of lament, both the individual lament and the corporate lament, uh, or some of them were actually designed to be said on a regular basis. It wasn't a one and a done. It was having lament as a regular part of life. And sometimes our anxiety stems from really harsh things that have been said to us, really hard things that we've gone through, you know, genuine struggles that could be coming at us in the future. And so actually, having that discipline of sitting down and going, Lord, this is hard and I am scared and I don't like it. And I would really like it if you would take it away. But Lord, please use this for your good purposes and help me to trust you, whatever the end. I found that process of lament, either by using the Psalms or, or by writing my own far less beautiful, but uh, maybe more personal laments. Um, that's a wonderful way, not only of expressing rather than suppressing uh, what I'm going through, 
but of reminding myself that I'm going through it with the Lord who loves me more than anyone else and has far better purposes than anyone else and is far stronger to bring about those purposes than anyone else. And therefore going through it with him is going to be something that makes a massive difference. Thank you so much for sharing with us this morning on this uh, subject of anxiety and giving us hope, giving us practical uh, instruction, pointing us to the Lord and uh, helping us to hold on to his good promises. If you found this episode helpful, then uh, please do share it and leave a rating or review. We're really glad that you've been with us today.